The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, just like a Murillo Crossfield ball. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win? Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery free in terms of apply, see mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hello and welcome to another edition of Red Side of the Trent. Hope you are all recovered. Uh, I know you can obviously hear the tone in my voice that I definitely haven't because that was one hell of a roller coaster ride last night. It's been a fantastic weekend if you're a Forest fan, not so much if you're down the A52. I've missed out on the playoffs last day of the season. Fantastic news. Um, obviously, Forest came through a what could only described as an emotion of of a, of a roller coaster of emotions last night as Forrest came out 4-3 winners against bottom of the league Southampton here to discuss the uh, the events of the game are Reese Lane and Christian Brown guys are you both recovered from last night's uh, antics no yeah still got we've still no. both got hair thankfully so um yeah it was um Incredible. Oh, to be fair, it was an, it was one of them days, wasn't it, yesterday for the whole Premier League? I mean, yeah, over uh, there was over five goals in every single game, which so is there was twenty-one uh, goals or something yeah, yesterday. Which is absolutely mental. I mean, I saw the reference to the bo- the Boxing Day fixture that that was oh. so legendary, obviously, because it was that kind of like day one. It like five three four three I mean, five one. No, I don't think anyone would have predicted Everton probably even winning at Brighton, never mind winning 5 1. So I yeah. think it's just one of them three days, once yesterday. And we obviously, in true Forest fashion, capped it off last night. Yeah, we'll, we'll stick with you, Reese. Obviously, Forest winning 4 3, but we'll start with obviously the lineup. Um, but like just before we get into the lineup and, and kind of the team selection, did you think that Everton game kind of put that bit of pressure on us? Rematch? Not really, no. Um, I think if you'd have asked most fans, if you'd have picked one of the two teams around as yesterday two win, I think most would have said Everton rather than Leicester, personally. Mm. Um, because obviously Everton was a further point. There was a point behind us, weren't they? And 
it's obviously we're still above them now because we've gone on to win. But no, you, we we had to win regardless of what happened yesterday. Whether everybody ran as lost, whether they won, whether they drew, we had to win last night. That was the home banker. That was the one everybody said we had to win, and thankfully we didn't do it easily. But we did what we needed to do, and that's win the game. Yeah. So the lineup was uh, only one change made, which was. Ryan Yates taking the captaincy off Joe Warrell and we went 4-3-3. Thankfully, Danilo's uh hobble off the off the pitch last week at Brentford was wasn't anything to be feared as it as it first was. And he started and thank God he did, because what a player he is. But what did you think of the lineup? Is that would you say that's our strongest lineup bar maybe the goalkeeping selection, depending which way you kind of side with Henderson or Navas? Um, you'd probably have to say so, wouldn't you? At the minute, there isn't really anybody I think who's not in that eleven who you would be making a massive case for, really, at the minute. Um, which is a little bit of a concern, I guess, because obviously you want people to come in off the bench and do well. And and to be fair, I thought Kiate and Joe Warrell come on last night, and I thought they did pretty well. So I mean, Warrell got frustrated in it right back, didn't we? Because we didn't have one, so. <laughs> Yeah, that was probably his strongest side, I'd say, at the minute on terms of form. Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, there's so much to go through in terms of action. We're going to start, obviously, with the first goal, Christian. And and Tywo won these on the end of it, at the end of it, of a, of a, of a nice quick free kick taken. And, yeah, 1-0 up after maybe a sticky start, really, where I thought Southampton probably looked the more settled side than, than we did. I mean, those that first fifteen minutes of the game was probably the worst fifteen minutes we've played anywhere all season. And I include against City when we got Dick six 0 We were fucking dreadful those first fifteen minutes. Like we actually looked like a side that was going down. We looked like a side that had bottled it. We looked like a side that the pressure had got to. And then out of nowhere, two passes later and we score. It's like so Danilo over to Johnson, Johnson runs in and cuts it back for Taiwo. And then, I mean, the keeper probably should do better, really, but we'll take what you can get. And um, Taiwo did everything he could do as a striker. He got it on target and that's that's it. And then it, I did feel after that goal, like, it really settled Forrest. Like, it sort of really seemed to sort of shake, you know, any of those sort of illusions out the window. Actually, they, they resemble the football side after that goal, basically. So it was a bit more than a sticky start. But um, no, the goal was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It showed that the quality is there, and like, um, you know, I think Gibbs White referenced it after the game. Um, obviously, I got back at it, half two this morning and still like couldn't really sleep, so I just digested everything. And um, Gibbs White spoke to Sky and said that like they asked him about his um, relationship with Cooper, and uh, he was saying like you know, how he has a lot of sympathy for Cooper because. Cooper's just playing like like, like we said in the pod a few weeks ago survival football just to get through the season basically and stay as a Premier League team and then hopefully next year assuming like we can stay up we'll then look to press forwards a bit more aligned with how we were playing last season but and you can see that, that moment, those moments of quality are there and realistically when you look at what Danilo Johnson and um, Gibbs White like they're what average age of 22 23 there it's very bright to have those three rounds and, you know, the way Danilo's come on leaps and bounds in the last few games has been absolutely remarkable. I mean, I know it's taken a bit of time to adapt coming in from Brazil, and obviously 
yeah, again, yes, remember, so they, I mean, think back to when like you were 18, for example, you know, like you've been thrown into a brand new city, brand new country, new language, you don't speak, you know, um, your job's got much more lucrative and much harder. You've got to adapt to it very quickly. It's a lot for someone to take in. So I can understand why he was sort of eased in. But no, we're really seeing rewards that now. That ball over to Johnson was superb. And um, the way Johnson took it down and pulled it back. I mean, Johnson was very unlucky not to have more than one assist last night. You know, um, he was at such a threat down that right-hand side. And that goal sort of encapsulated that, really. I thought the ball over to Danilo was kind of gave Johnson the the kind of kick up the backside of if you get into that space which he wasn't occupying to begin with then you're going to cause so many problems because um I think just before it or maybe just after I can't remember now he burnt he burnt Bellacoccia and he ended up going off well, we with injured him, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he went over, <laughs> he's over sprawling over to the floor with holding his hand and he was just like yeah. if you get chalk on your boot lad you'll you'll absolutely murder the majority of fullbacks because I mean he's recorded the fastest speed in the Premier League this season for a reason so yeah yeah great great pass I wouldn't he did what he did got on target and, and McCarthy should do better really I mean if if that's at Navas and, and he doesn't save it I'm calling him biscuit hands so you know quickly moving on obviously then Reese um Forrest don't kind of sit on 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 their lead which we have been guilty of plenty of times this season and we it's kind of uh we thought I, I generally thought the the chance had gone to score but then that come out of bloody nowhere, didn't it? Like Drogba-esque, I think Carragher said on Sky, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I get like what Christian's just said. I mean, the first 10, 15 minutes, I mean, a one-year special, I thought, really struggled to get into the game. And then within three minutes, uh, 18th and 21st minute, he's got a brace. So, yeah, this, the second goal was a really good finish because... For, and that it was one of them goals that was quite satisfying because we just kept that move alive and it was like pinballing around and in the end I think Lottie got it back to Danilo didn't he and Danilo like stabbed it through and then a one year strength um, to spin his man and volley it in at pace that was a really good finish I know it wasn't far out from goal but to do that in kind of one motion that was a yeah cracking finish and then from the opening 10 minutes to 10 minutes later, he was on, gone from struggling to on a hat-trick. So, yeah, quick how things can change. But I literally thought them Southampton were basically like in going into boxing terms. They'd been knocked down and they were literally there for the, the knockout. And unfortunately, we let them back into the game. I generally think if we'd have just put his foot on the ball, a um, bit of experience, bit of leadership, and maybe got a third, we would have hammered them last night because they, they were gone. I mean, Ward Price were trying to rally the troops and he was probably one of the only Southampton players who actually showed a bit of Premier League quality last night, as I'm sure we'll just talk about. Yeah, because Christian, obviously, like Reese says, someone needs to put the foot on the ball and it kind of looked like almost Samba-esque football. Like, you kind of talk about that and Gibbs White gave the ball away very, very cheaply and unexpectedly, it was a it was a strange moment of of play where we looked very comfortable. I don't know what what he had in his mind. I mean, he tried to rectify it, but it was far too late, wasn't it? And, and Southampton just it, you could it's it's funny because we're playing bottom of the league and they're an absolute shambles at the back. I mean, we can't really talk, but it just goes to show the quality in this league is you make a mistake, you get absolutely punished for it, and we <laughs> we're our own bloody worst enemy, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, that was bad. I think what made it worse was that Lottie was sort of instructing him to go back. So I think Nick Carter Felipe was pointing, like, go back, back, back. And he sort of just 
did that. Gibbs White was like, I thought it was just a very loose pass to Mangala. Oh, hospital ball, to, they call it, don't they? Yeah, very similar to the one that Shelby gave the Carte in the Villa game, and that ended up in the exact same result. I mean, um, you can't let, I mean, you are right what you say. But I mean, um, I think if you give any team a four on two, more often than not, they're going to score it. Mm. And um, yeah, we just got sprung, unfortunately. It was, um, I felt really bad for Gibbs White, actually, because, you know, it, obviously, I, it's difficult because you, if you if you see Gibbs White give the ball away, you expect it's because he's tried to make something happen. He's tried to thread the eye, the ball through the eye of a needle and, you know, he's been caught out, whatever that. But for him to give it away like that, Oh Christ! It's very uncharacteristic of him. Obviously, thankfully, he more than made up for that. Um, with two instances to come, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, it was it's disappointing. It was, it was very typical Forest. I thought, um, you know, I mentioned it last. It, it was something that you'd expect Forest to do. You know, with two up and cruising. I think something else to mention with Tyro's goal as well, which um, like you know, yeah, Tyro had his shirt half ripped off, and he still just shrugged him off and just. You know, power the ball in it was that was really impressive like we just scored two goals in the space of a few minutes we're absolutely flying oh you know what it's too easy for forest that's just going to make <laughs> it interesting for the game because that's apparently what we do um yeah i think that's all it is it's a there really it's, it's a bit of a clusterfuck i mean i was i saw um it was weird watching the highlights back and sort of like oh you know you're looking for offside it was like <laughs> well on <laughs> yeah wrong um, Alan Swift said that in the commentary. He was looking yeah. at the, the, <laughs> and then when it showed the replay, I think he back two yards on side. Yeah, easy. Um, the, there was the a guy near me who sort of went, "Oh, I'm never going to do better than that." But I was like, "You're taking a fucking piss!" Like, <laughs> <laughs> one from like eight yards. Like, what are you doing? like, I think the one bit of difference in terms of the levels from that goal is that it would be very easy for Armstrong just to have had a blast at that, and instead he kind of faints on the It's a it's a pretty simple pass, but he plays it to perfection, doesn't he? Whereas in probably at championship level, someone might just hammer that towards goal. And to be fair, um, I've watched that Alcaraz for them quite a few times now. He's, he's a good little player, he is. He, he can finish. Um, well, Alcaraz, actually, I think he gave yeah. the second goal, though, didn't he? He was, he was lost the ball. To yeah, he, he, likes to get, he likes to get yeah. booked a bit. And obviously, you've seen the late challenge he put in on Yates. And then he was like, um, he chucked himself to the floor once and two with Yates. And I. Fair play to the eight six. That'd have been very easy to get into that them type of games and you know get a silly card or you know get yourself sent off. But you know he's um he's a good he's one of their actual signings in January who have made an impact. To be fair for Southampton, yeah. Or well, my friend Orsich, I think he's played yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they, they brought the, the guy on up top, didn't he? The big big, big, Paul, big Paul Wee nicknamed yeah. him. That's what I can't <laughs> say is I think Onyacho. Yeah, he's a big yeah. lad. Him, yeah. he makes Chiati look small. <laughs> uh, that's that's how, but like in typical Forest fashion, Joe, when you're two 0 up, I'm thinking right, this is like one of these games last season where we're gonna crew absolutely cruise, and then yeah, we do that. But thankfully, Reese obviously more gives white more than makes up for it. But credit to Brennan Johnson, he's. He's uh, done exceptionally well to to even win as that penalty because I thought the ball was gone, long gone. I thought like I mean it was a bit of a poor pass from Gibbs White in initially, good idea, but then I just thought me and I was just going to play it out and then credit to Johnson, eh? Yeah, again, just a case of keeping the move alive, isn't it? Um, and he literally gets there a split second quicker than Maitland Niles, and that's all of what was needed in this day and age. You're going to get that as a pen. I mean, he, as we spoke about in his group chat, he had a bit of a nightmare, didn't he, Maitland Niles? Um, 
I'm not sure kind of what his actual position is. He's very James Perch-esque, I'll call it, of versatility. Um, and yeah, and he, I mean, when you're against Brennan Johnson, it's going to be a struggle for most full-backs at this level, never mind someone who's probably not accustomed to playing there. So, um, yeah, very good to win the penalty um, from Johnson. And, you know, the penalty, it goes in, so that's all that matters, isn't it? The keepers dive and... I think if he might have flicked a leg up a bit higher, he might have tried a bit more and kept that out. But as Christian said with the first goal, it kind of seemed a couple of goals just went straight through McCarthy, didn't he? As, as if it was made of poppadoms. So, um, but yeah, that that was that was the perfect time. Um, similar, well, same as the Brighton equaliser at home. You know, to get that two goal uh, cushion again just before he went in at half time was yeah massive. Mm. I mean, one. When the teams come back out, all I thought was like, let's just, Southampton are going to come at us, Christian, and, and they're going to want to get free kicks and they want to get corners and kind of put the pressure on us, but we just needed to stand strong. But do you know when you've got James Ward-Prowse, who's got homing missiles uh, for, for free kicks and well, dead, all dead balls, then you've always got a chance. And I mean, I don't think he, he got one wrong pretty much all night. There was all dangerous. I absolutely hated it and lo and behold they scored early from one and uh, yeah Lianco got free of Felipe didn't he but can't be doing that No it's Paul I mean one thing I will say we did get right and is that we didn't give him any free kicks in shooting distance I thought actually that was something that the midfield very very well with and the back four really and even the attackers who might have been coming back to try and get a foot in it was whenever they gave a foul away it was always for a cross, rather than there was never anything he'd shoot from, which is, you know, that, I thought that was really good from Forrest yesterday. That's something that does have to be commended. It was just like, we just started so sluggishly, I thought, second half. It was like, I mean, I've, I do genuinely worry. I mean, it, it sounds stupid. Like, whenever Forrest take a lead, because I think we've thrown away so many points from winning positions, you just don't feel confident at all, even when they have a two-goal cushion. It just doesn't, you don't think they're going to hold it. And, um, yeah, I mean, I I was I was hoping I was saying half time night, like, you know, just they're gonna come out strong, just be solid, and then just pick them off. Because and if have we done that, have we tried to be a bit more, you know, clever with our passing? We probably could have just ran through them and scored more. But alas, we let them swarm us. They get a corner, and yeah, it's it's poor from Felipe. I mean, I, we don't like obviously I don't want to criticize him. He's been so good, but um. Yeah, he's just been caught out there, really. And again, I think the guy in front of me really had it in for Navas. And he was saying, saying again, that no, we should have saved that header. It was like, again, it's, it's a bullet header from Lianco, who's fucking about eight foot tall and like <laughs> built massively. I didn't realize how tall he was that he got on Lianco. Like, he, like, he was like an absolute unit. And um, yeah, I mean, you give, give anyone that kind of space and they're going to do that. But I mean, Ward Prowse's deliveries were exceptional I think the only ones we've seen better would have been Trent at Liverpool's um he's just just literally like uh six months every time and that's yeah. again that's something you don't see in the league but like, like and that's probably like I mean obviously we'll say it's pretty much down now anyway let's be honest um I could see him going to you know Spurs Villa maybe even Newcastle just for that reason alone he's a pretty I mean I felt we kept him fairly quiet in open play but you know in fact he showed it he showed that to his frex I mean like if you're you know, looking for a goal and you're like you know in the, a very tight game and you get a set piece and he's hovering over it, you think Christ, like gotta be on it here. 
and sadly we won't. I think yeah. he'd be an asset for any Premier League squad when he ward pass. Definitely, yeah. He literally, like, when I was watching last night, just David Beckham-esque his, mm. his balls in. And there was even the ones that, like, they didn't get to. There was one, I think, what went right across the face. Um, from, and every time you kind of worried, every time they got corny for, oh, this is going to be on the money. That's what... That's there was what one that I, Navas held that ran out yeah. on the court. And I was like, had mm. that been anticipated slightly better, that was a goal by the... By mm. I think it might have been Adams ahead of him. He sort of just he responded too late. But every ball, you're right. It was just like you know, less than one on one on how to take a set piece. It was all prowls. The, the the one thing that really like irked me about last night is if if Navas is that a bit more of a presence almost because he's not he's not a big keeper, is he? He's quite he's quite agile and athletic. You kind of kind of give him you give like our defense a bit of a relief. Almost because if you've got a big keeper like say someone the size of Fraser Forster, just for example, he's a big presence and it's like a big target to try and miss almost. Whereas Navas is quite small, that you could tell their tactic of just surrounding him. I always more or less generally thought Warpass was going for goal half the time because that's what would have been probably the idea. I think, and then if you can get a flick on, then then so be it, and then that's what probably what happened with the goal. Well, yeah, what will say twice for... in the first half, didn't that yeah. flick on? Which yeah. I think Walcott got his head to twice, um, which wasn't nothing to do with Navas. I actually thought Navas did pretty well in coming out. I thought he punched. Was going to say, yeah, he came out and punched though. a lot. Yeah. I know, I know, it's traditional that it, obviously um, Englishmen do prefer a keeper to catch it. But as Lee said in our ch- chat, in the conditions as well, slippery. I thought he come out and commanded pretty well. Navas personally, I thought mm. he come out and made some crucial punches last night. Well, I want to talk to you both about this goal because I don't want to just give Christian about the Southampton goals, to be honest. But <laughs> this is some goal in it, really. Like when I when I've obviously seen it in the ground from from the Brian Clough stand, I kind of thought Gibbs White's either missed it or he's got or it's like took a deflection. I didn't realise until the replay how good that touch was. That is. I mean, if that's like a, a De Bruyne or a Foden, Grealish, just for example, or Erdegaard, whoever else you can name, Gimaraish, that is showed every week and in every schoolyard for the next six weeks. That is that's world class for me. That touch. Yeah, was. it was just a deft touch on it. Perfect. Yeah, and like there's the vision in it. Yeah, and as well as we've I've said on the last couple of pods, Danilo again. <laughs> what a finish! Um, composed finish. Like, you know, I think as it must have been a striker in a previous life because the, the three chances he's had, uh, Brighton, Brentford and yesterday, he's finished them all beautifully, um, really but naturally. That, you, know, um, you know how they say, like, with Brazilian wing-backs, how they don't work on defending? Like, they just yeah, get like forward. Roberto Carlos. And Cafu as well. I'm yeah. starting to think maybe it's the same for their defensive midfielders. Maybe yeah. they just, like, play as number 10s instead because, yeah. like, you're right, his finishing is ridiculous, isn't it? Like, like, he just seems to be... Is is his positional sense as well? He seems to always be in the right area, like and you know he's very very calm in front of goal. It's a big boost that he was fit because we've seen the best of him the last three or four games, and it would have been such a shame if his season had come to an end um, as it has been. For like as we've said, you know, Nico Williams looked like he got up and running, and then his season's unfortunately come to an end, and it would have been such a shame for somebody else to kind of who's obviously come into his team this season who looks like they've got going to then think injuries stopped it but the you know miracles from last season of players coming back from 
you know, season-ending injuries and rocking up after international breaks is a uh, looks like Danilo's come from that school for that. But yeah, br- brilliant, really brilliant goal, and yeah, it was just um, again gave that two goal cushion, but still we just never know with Forest, do you? No, <laughs> I, I mean, thought, um, Kuyate, sorry, was very very influential in that goal mm, as well. Yeah, I thought he. Yeah. It was good when he came on. It was a loose mm. ball he chased down. He didn't. It wasn't one that he necessarily had to go and run towards, mm. but he, he did it anyway. And he sort of falls in the ball, doesn't he? But he can't really, he can't get to it. And obviously Johnson gets a bit of luck with it. Again, Johnson, you know, in a position to put the ball in. I mean, um, there was one that he again skipped past. I think it was one where Bella Kotchak went down injured actually. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, um, you know, so unlucky that a Saints defender got there. I thought that yeah, that bad. was. I'm so direct down the right the right flank and cutting it yeah, back. Yeah, it was Bednar who yeah. got there and watching it, you're like, um, oh, when you see that like situation, you're like, oh, bloody hell. But when the replay, it was superb defender. It was really defending, yeah. Yeah, positionally yeah. excellent. Couldn't think, do anything more there, Brennan Johnson. What what I liked about him last night was he was putting that ball on the floor again. Yes, and, cut, and, cutting, and cutting it back, and we was getting yeah. and we was getting players in the right in that position <laughs> to a, a one use there, any all the time. To yeah, be fair to him. and I and I think that's that's something that we've kind of missed from Johnson in the last few weeks, and and he was superb last night. I thought I thought he was really good in terms of of going forward defensively. Could have helped out a little bit more, but he's not there to defend it, it, it first and foremost at the end of the day. But just going back to the the Danilo goal, I mean, it, it's it's funny because he come in as a as a like a holding midfielder kind of CDM, but obviously with his energy, he he fits that role perfectly and then like with the three of Mangala who kind of can dictate a bit and Yates who can kind of win the ball back and, and just be a bit of a nuisance and then in that box to box it's quite a nice balance there really in, in that midfield three so that's really good and I mean I enjoyed I don't know about you Christian and, and Reese, but the the song that that's got going for him getting belted out across the city ground was pretty special I thought it's no, always great, yeah. nice for a new song to come up, isn't it? With using the same old ones churned out across the season. So, so it's yeah. about the whole ground would do it as well. I thought it was really good. Like, yeah. it was one of those like, even before kickoff, they were singing it. Like, it was yeah. like around yeah. the whole ground. Well, it was, it was such a forest thing that they made a song up, obviously, for um, Lodie, Scarpa, and Danilo at Bournemouth away. And then we signed Felipe. So <laughs> it ended up turning to four Brazilians rather than three. So, um, yeah. And just to, I'm not sure if you're going to touch on it, Adam. Um, are you going to talk about Felipe's offside goal? Yeah, well, literally, I was just going to literally <laughs> ask you about it, Reese. I mean, that is, that that was a, an unfortunate. What a, what a touch and what a celebration! Yeah, yeah, I, know, I didn't know he had a, a sidewards front flip in it. Yeah, he was it. colossal. He was colossal last night, and I mean that would yeah. have been the cherry on the on the on the cake, as it were, if if that had stood because that was. A striker's finish and a touch, and the, the touch was r- ridiculous. Um, yeah, they used to say obviously the little blot on his copybook was the losing Lianco, wasn't it? But there's just certain players, I think, what you can see this season, especially with Forrest, who've kind of played at that higher level during their career. And Felipe's one of them. I just look at his positioning, his know how. I think there was one time, maybe in the second half, where someone tried to do him down the left, yeah, flank, it was and, and Doze. And it, yeah, and he and he just stuck his other leg out because he went went to go the other way into their guy, and he yeah. just stuck his other leg out behind his other leg and just took the ball off him. And yeah, he's been really good for us. Yes, I mean this is going to be a controversial one, Christian, because 
obviously with about a minute to go, Michael Oliver awards a penalty to James Ward-Prowse. Surridge, the, the the victim of it, as I want to call it, because when I've watched it back, I mean, there is minimal contact. Where, where, where is VAR to step into it? But also what I find, I, another question is, if that's like a Dennis or an Ayu, they're getting completely lynched, aren't they? Well, yes, is the answer to that one. Absolutely. Um, I... I go slightly against the grain with what I've seen with most Forest fans. I actually thought it was a penalty straight away. Mm, I did. Because um, as soon as... I, I mean, Surridge ultimately gives the referee a decision to make by putting his foot up that high. And um, he doesn't need to do that. He can just stand off at that point as well. He doesn't need to go in that, like that at all. And um, it looked a lot worse in the grounds. It looked like he just completely like crunched him. And I, I like shin high. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, you, you could, it was straight away. Like it was, I was, it was surprised me that Oliver had some hesitation with it really. On the replays, it's still a penalty. I mean, the thing for me is that obviously it, I, I understand what Forest fans are saying. There is very minimal contact. There is not, there's nothing to make Lavia react in the way he does. Don't, don't get me wrong. That's no, but that's, ultimately, sadly, what the sports come to in order to get things from referees. You have to sort of sell it, which is really sad. But you can see on the replays, which obviously VAR saw, is that when um, when Surridge does connect with him, you see Lavia's foot swing back, and he can't do that on his own. He has to, the only way it can move like that is if it's had contact. So, okay, he doesn't. He goes down like he's been like, you know, shot by a fucking firing squad. But um, is there is contact, and ultimately, if you're in the VAR booth and you see that, you can't overturn it because there's foul. There's, you know, he's the, the ball's nowhere to be seen. He's and he, ultimately he's connected with his foot. I get the other side of the coin that not all contact in the box is a penalty, but I, I thought it was, and I thought to be honest, it was, both were fairly contentious. Really, I mean, a lot of people were saying that Maitland Niles was um a little bit unfortunate because Johnson sort of was just quick enough to get his leg there first. So, I mean, you know, both are pens to me. I think the, both, the, the referee made the right decision both times. The thing that killed us, wasn't it wasn't even the fact that War Prowse was going to score it. It was the fact that the time it took VAR to check the Felipe offside and the time it took for them to decide that that was a penalty obviously gave us 11 minutes very time rather than seven. That's what fucking killed us fans, and be like, you know, because like you barely watched. Um, but no, it was a penalty. It was. I thought it was quite interesting that both went straight down the middle as well. Mm. Um, which normally is a sign that you know, because I mean, pressure. they say, don't they, that if you're under pressure, you go to what you normally, especially you normally in a pressurized situation, the goalkeeper will usually dive as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was interesting. Both just went enough like that straight down the middle, and. Um, there's both for both of them, and ultimately paid off for both of them as well. But um, no, I mean, no complaints from me in terms of the decision. Um, but going back to your first point, yeah, you're right. I mean, if that's, I mean, look at what Dennis got when he, um, you know, gave the third goal away against Man United. We'd already lost the game by that point, and you know, he was lynched for that. Um, See, I used not really being in the position to do that yet, but or okay, when I missed the penalty against Spurs, for example, we still would have lost that game three two. But um, again, he was massively lynched for that, so it is a bit surprising that Sarah just sort of got away with it slightly. I don't mm. know, it's because we won, but um, yeah, you're right. It, it, is stu- it was a striker's challenge. It was stupid for his foot to be that high, and ultimately, you know, you give the ref very little choice if you go in like that. Mm. 
Yeah, just to add to Christian, I I also think both were pens. Um, we do, the problem is it's like we always say in this day and age, don't we? Uh, because we grew up obviously in the nineties when you know fouls you were fouls. Yeah, you could <laughs> tackle, but you know nowadays if you have you do have that little bit of contact like that when it's a swinging limb as well, it gives the referee a decision to make, like Christian said. And VAR's not going to overturn that because it's got to be a clear and obvious error. Is that a clear and obvious error? Well, if he's touched him, then it's not, is it? Mm. Let, let, let's be honest, unfortunately. Thankfully, you know, it, it came to nothing in the end. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's social media and obviously, you know, everyone... It's all about what a battery and trying to two wrongs don't make a right and stuff. Um, unfortunately, there's loads and loads of agendas from probably everybody on social media. And so, yeah, I'm just happy to enjoy the win. I'm not fussed about, you know, certain players, this and that. I mean, I was surprised that Dennis wasn't on the bench. I was, I mean, I was literally about to, to, yeah, to go I mean, to I, on that point. I was surprised by that because obviously. Yeah, I think he's he offers a lot more than Andre Ayew, but that's obviously up to the manager. So um, it's oh, probably come, yeah. like we said last week, it probably comes down to now, as we've said, probably most of the season really to players who we can probably trust in this survival mode, really. So, but you think about that. it now, obviously in terms of his trust. So he's gone. Obviously, Ayew was crap against Brentford. We all know that. We all can see mm-hmm. that. Fucking, you know, anyone with eyes can see that. Anyone without eyes can see like, Brent, Ayew was crap at Brentford. I but I mean, realistically, he's given Sorry to not here. Sorry just given a penalty away and offered nothing else. So, you know, in terms of in terms of where you are in a pecking order, it doesn't have to do a lot of favours, yeah. does it? Yeah, so, I do get you, but I always advocate that for any play, to see the best of any player, you've got to have runs in the team. You know, I'm not going to go back to someone a few years ago, you, you know, I'm going to mention, but you, you can't expect players to just come in and have... 10 minutes here and then. This was the same with Dennis this season. 10 minutes here and then start producing. It just doesn't work like that. It, mm. Look at the money Chelsea spent, you know, and they've got 80, 90 million pound footballs on the bench and they've done nothing, really. You know what I mean? So what chance have you got from someone who, mm. with respect, was playing in the Championship last year? Just sometimes doesn't work like that. But, um, yeah, I think, like, as we, as we started the pod with Adam that 11 what we started with last night is the strongest 11 at the minute you then kind of lot really got a lot of options in terms I'd say of attacking option who's going to come on and really change the game that, that's why it um, puzzled me about Dennis because yeah. you've got Lingard on there he's not played yeah, for a lot of this had, season yeah I mean he's probably been on the bench now for what half dozen games and not, not come, come on, on at all apart yeah. from Man U which was a bit of a proper cameo wasn't it um so so yeah, but as we as we've said and as Christian said quite a few pods ago, Cooper's probably in survival mode and it's now probably about the players who he can trust the most really to get us over the line and that's what we've just got to do now. I mean it's it's pretty all these things what we've said about all season what we need to improve as a waveform as defending they've probably gone out the window now. They're, they're probably not going to improve. We've just got to try and scrape a few last few points to stay up in this league and that starts on Saturday with a point would be a great result for me on Saturday. Definitely. I mean, I think just on those some of those points as well, if if we were to stay up, because it's still a big if, I'm not gonna like uh, chance fate or anything, but you cut out those some of those mistakes and you start looking up rather than down, don't you? So it's it's fi- it's them fine margins as as we always like to say on this pod, but 
yeah, it's it's just one of them, but it's all to play for now still. And it's in our hands. So that's that's an only, only a good thing we, which we could have all wished for with three games to go at the end of the day. We've got his foot back in the door and that's the good thing because after last Saturday's disappointment, you know, you, we put pressure on ourselves and let's be honest, we, we, at times last night, everybody felt the pressure, including the players, including the manager because we've seen his reaction when the fourth goal went in. You know, that sign of relief and... There was at times when we was holding on to that one goal lead, etc. So, mm. um, yeah, we've got his foot back in the door now. Nas, you know, we've got to get over the line now. Yeah, well, I just want, Christian, I just wanted to ask you, do you want Will Prowse takes that corner of the last minute and McCarthy's come up? I'm not sure about you, but I think my scarf was li- literally wrapped around my head. <laughs> I mean, I can barely watch. Like, it was, it was, it was horrible. Like, it was like playoffs, it, wasn't it? It was like going back to the Huddersfield, the last few minutes against Huddersfield, like in that final final. Like, I was a lot I, more I, chill in that game, to be honest. No, <laughs> I, I was. I could just you could just see it happening. Like, like I said earlier, like you just can't trust Rice for the lead whatsoever. I could, I could just definitely, I could see it. I could see it. Like you know, some either with the keeper or someone else, and like it was the only bad ball of the night that Ward Prowse put in, mm. and it was the one that mattered most. Like my mind went back to. Um, Sheffield United away last season when it was us in that situation and James Garner was turning over it was like right okay 95th minute we need something from this game deliver please and lo and behold he put in an absolute peach and Yates scored a header but thankfully for us I mean it's just like <laughs> it, clearly it, it, the ball was passed out I don't get, I don't get how it, I, I actually I, I've, I've never had this experience before at a football match where it's felt like I've actually played the game myself like I was sweating I was I felt mentally yeah. exhausted like I, I was like I'd done a shift myself on the pitch. It was ridiculous, and like you know, it was just I, I just said earlier, I complete like roller coaster emotions last night, and thankfully, mm-hmm. like all I wanted was to hear just can't get enough, and finally we got it eleven minutes after we thought we might get it. <laughs> but yeah, when the final whistle went, it felt more like relief than like jubilation. Yeah, it was just an outpouring, it, it, wasn't it? Yeah, it it is at this stage of the season, and it's just all about. As I like to say, it's just all about business now, and it? it is more relief than, you know, joy, especially when you're in a relegation battle. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if any of you guys listened to Talksport this morning, but I had there was a couple of Everton fans who rang up, and one was basically in tears <laughs> after that result yesterday. So yeah, you. Just shows um you know people might say that's OTT but just shows you how much it does mean to people at this stage because no one wants to fall back into the EFL. Yeah, know. I felt bad for the Saints fans. I really did, but I mean, obviously it's a long way home for them as well. And yeah. like, I mean, I felt bad. Even imagine you scored six goals away, you know, three at Arsenal, three at Forest, and you got one point from those two games. I mean, what, what, like, what's going wrong for that to happen? But I mean, ultimately, if you hide Nathan Jones, you have to go down anyway. But I mean, I did, I did feel bad for them, and yeah, I'm sure they'll bounce you got, back. And we've got, we've got to give Southampton some credit because it, it was so easy for them to just fold like a deck chair, as we like to say after two 0 But they just kept going they and kept, kept going, yeah. kept mounting the pressure, suppose, did they? Yeah, and kept mounting like, the pressure dead. on. And, yeah. and and to be fair to them, like and I, I think they are done. But I, I'd like to think they'll, they've got a good chance of coming back up if they can recruit well and. Hold on to some of their better players, but it'll be difficult. Yeah, no, but... Nigeria, put them right, that'll be fine. Yeah. The only danger I thought was from Southend was obviously the Ward Price, but I just thought we we just gifted them a route back into it every time. Mm-hmm. I generally didn't think, apart from when Ward Price had his set pieces, I didn't worry much about them. It's just we we just had to make it 
a show, didn't we? <laughs> we couldn't just go out there and win like two, three nil, and no, we had to go out and win four three. So typical Forest, but who cares now? Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You win? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Right, it's now time to get into Slept On It Fort, so play the jingle. Red side of the Trent. <laughs> Slept on it thoughts. Okay, so lots of you have got in touch this week. Thank you very much. Obviously, it's always better when there's a win. Snowboard Pete, that game has aged me about 10 years. Felt like a playoff game. Really, really need to stop conceding stupid goals, but we got over the line. The quick free kick and play that led to a one-news goal was brilliant. The touch by Morgan Gibbs-White was slick for Dino's goal. Mangala was sl- solid. Felipe's flip. Lee Chilvers, still thrilled to get three points. Fantastic effort. Performances all over the pitch. I do worry that four at the back against better sides, we will get punished, but we scored more than them, which is the way to get three points. Hart cannot take too much more of that. For friends of the pod and fellow podcasters, Forrest all over the podcast, um, 5-2 up in injury time and within a minute it's 4-3 and James Ward-Prowse is standing over a corner with a laughing face as far as it gets, but at least we can all laugh about it now. We may need a point v Chelsea looking at other two teams' final two fixtures. Carl Booth, Danilo awesome, Felipe awesome, Navas couldn't catch a cold, great first half apart from the Gibbs-White error, gifting them a goal, never a pen for them. Should have ended a comfortable 4-2. On we march. Uh, Craig, uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Plenty of twists and turns to come. Dan White, amazing going forward. Johnson, Morgan's White, Danilo and Awuni are an amazing force, but we have to stop conceding sloppy goals, particularly from set pieces. Three games to get three points in safety, in my opinion, he says. Johnny Ancliffe, where do you start? Some fantastic counter-attacking football. We're a real threat going forward. Goals are starting to flow, but defending set pieces are down four again but three points was all that matters. Danilo is a gem. I think two more points keeps us up. Grant Fellows, well, it wasn't boring, was it? Hard to win and one. Danilo again is just class. Morgan Gibbs-White again stepping up when we needed him. Tyro took both goals very well. Brennan was much better. Defence and keeper wobbly, though, it had to, but had to change the system. VAR can get in the bin. BCP, brilliant win, but we need to keep our composure a little bit more. Uh, Phil, Forrest will be the death of me. Worried when we let the worst team in the league dominate the ball. It paid off, though, as we were lethal on the break. Defensively shocking at times. Danello is a superstar. Morgan Gibbs-White, that touch. If any player deserves a goal, it's Felipe. Two points will do it. Todd Mills, relief. Defensively poor and determined to give 
James Ward-Prowse as many chances as possible to deliver into our box. Clinical on the break. Odd to hear Morgan Gibbs-White say on TV that game plan was to press. Looked totally the opposite. Handing Southampton the initiative from the start. Got it done in the end. Somehow, I do agree with that about the pressing. I'm not sure where he got that from. Yummy Bear just about recovered. Hand grenade football that, which I, do, I quite like that phrase. Massive win though that. Massive. One more win should do it. Sir Elliot, that was the most foresty of forest matches ever. The fans were magnificent and every player gave their all tonight. My unsing hero was Mangala, was ace keeping the shape off the ball and the way he sprinted to cover the right in the extra time was awesome. Uh, was awesome. Great pod as usual. Thank you for that, uh, Sir Elliot. And last, last but not no means least, Rob slept on it. We deserve to win and the three points was what it was all about, really. You can see why both sides are near the bottom of the table and we gift the opposition a goal to let them back in the game. Not sure my heart can take any more. Well, thank you very much for everyone that got in touch with Slept On It Thoughts. Obviously, brilliant that the fans got back behind it, guys. I mean, Christian, it was a sight to be seen. And I mean... I think Greece will agree. It kind of reminds us of the of the players of the scarfs going and and obviously I know not everyone's cup of tea is magic on and off the pitch, but it's an easy one that gets going around the ground and gets everyone bouncing. But I think Danny Murphy summed it up on match of the day too the other night. I think one of you guys mentioned it in 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 the chat or whatever that he he reckons that we've got a real good chance because our fans haven't turned like the others have. So. You've got to give us credit as well, I suppose, as supporters, weirdly enough, even though we're not the ones kicking the ball at the end of the day. No, it's very true. I mean, um, as you know, but going into the game, I was incredibly pessimistic about chances. I thought that we'd find a way to fuck it up and lose or draw and whatever else. But it was weird. Like, a few minutes before kickoff, it just felt like something was different. It felt like there was like a different kind of energy in the crowds. And no, that, that, I think it showed the whole game, didn't it, really? I mean, like... um, it. it it felt like the playoffs again. It was it was really good, like support yesterday, and you know the scarves, and everything else, the chanting. Like, like I said, like even we got two minutes before kickoff, and that the Nino chants ringing around all four stands. Like it's like if that's, if that's a sign of things to come. Then I mean, in the back of my mind, I was sort of thinking like, I don't know if you watched Newcastle play Arsenal uh, at the weekend, but did, Newcastle yeah. they again started very very fast, and the whole crowd it was very similar to them. Then Arsenal found a way to shut them up very quickly. So naturally being scarred by many, 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 many occasions where Forest have done Forest things. I was sort of half expecting that to happen, but obviously when we took the lead, it sort of dispelled that, at least initially. But no, I think you're right. I mean, um, you know, I've seen quite a few people say this as well. I mean, off the pitch as well. I mean, I know there have been many times where it's been very close to uh, Cooper getting the sack. I mean, that's not be with any inside knowledge. I think it's fairly, you know, you don't need to be an expert or a journalist to see that there'll be many times, whether it was after Leicester, whether it was after um, after Newcastle, was it? I can't remember what game it was now, where we had the other statement before the Villa game, after Leeds, sorry. Mm. So it, there was very, you know, many points this season where Cooper could have been sacked. And I think, I can't remember who I saw, I think it was someone, an ex-player or someone, not an ex-Forest player, just a you know, general football pundit. And he was saying that it would be nice if, you know, Forest did stay up purely because they've stuck by their manager they haven't rushed into a change they've you know they've assisted with it and they've resisted the temptation to you know pull the trigger and um you know it would be nice for football if they could find a way to stay up and obviously show that you know patience can be rewarded and but i mean the, the thing is i think you don't get one without the other i mean the fact is that a lot of that support is for obviously primarily don't get me wrong 
every forest every fan there is there for Nottingham Forest. They're not there for Steve Cooper. But a large part of why the support is as fervent as it is is because of Steve Cooper. And, you know, so obviously him being down there and, you know, it, it does make a difference. And yeah, the fans were great last night. It was pleasure to be part of. And hopefully, you know, we need to carry that energy in for the next three games because they're going to need every last one of us and we're going to have any chance of getting out of this. Definitely. Anything to add, Reese? Um, No, I mean, the, the pictures and that were brilliant, weren't they? Um this this will upset a few Forest fans, but very reminiscent, obviously, of all the scarfs of <laughs> of Celtic in the Champions League. It sprang to mind, um, which was great to see. Um, but but yeah, like like yeah, you just got to <laughs> Everton. Seem to Everton is a prime example, aren't they? They seem to you know cheer the coaching at the end of every season, and they always seem to scrape up with some. One nil win at uh, at Goodison, and um, the, and obviously it probably was going to happen again. Well, might happen again this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've God, I mean, it's been a season of moans and groans and ups and downs, hasn't it? But you know, the club stuck with the manager. Um, I think I said quite a few pods ago. We kind of just had to stay together. It would have been, I think, it would have got a bit toxic, wouldn't it, if we had. Sat Cooper and then brought, you know, with no disrespect, a random foreigner maybe, and who's not got that rapport with the fans, mm. um, i.e. Rafa Benitez, someone of that ilk. Um, so yeah, like I said um, a few comments ago, foot back in the door, but not done yet. We still need some points. I, I think the fact that Gibbs White has spoke uh, at the weekend about Cooper on Soccer AM with Tubes, and then obviously last night to. Monday Night Football pundits, um, Carragher and uh, Martin O'Neill there, and that that the players are obviously there fighting for him, and and that's kind of a big key for it as well. If if players are up for playing for the manager, then that gives you that extra little bit of percentage of chance of staying up. So that's good. But we're going to get into some player performances. Christian, I'm going to start with yourself. Tyro Woodney's been probably not hitting, not hitting as the amount of goals as he would probably have liked to after his really good season in the Bundesliga, but it's took a while to get get to grips and obviously still coming back from fitness, uh, from his injury. But I thought that was his best game in terms of finishing by far. I mean, he, he hit both of them pretty well. To, okay, to, I, I, <laughs> thought you, I thought of you after a second goal because he struck it so cleanly. It was like a fucking bullet. Yeah. I was like, I hope, I hope Adam's seen that. Like, I have, I have. Like, don't proof worry. That he can actually hit it cleanly. Um, yeah, both of them cleanly. Just yeah, he did. Fucking no, um, has got fucking crisp hands, isn't he? For the first one, anyway. Thankfully, yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, I mean, Simon was great last night. I mean, um, the only worry for me is it doesn't seem that fitness-wise he might, might not fully be there yet because against Brentford, like after fifty minutes he was blowing, and after an, after Brighton after an hour he was blowing, and yesterday it seemed the same way. He was sort of like he, his energy level seemed to drop quite heavily after around the fifty-five minute mark. So maybe like. While his body is like obviously physically ready to go, maybe like his engine isn't quite there just yet. But um, that's fine. What he what he offers on the pitch is well worth what he, you know. Like he's he's so good. And um, to be fair, I mean, like you, know, you think he had three months injured, which again, you know, you have to hold the club fairly accountable for. I mean. You know, we were at Southampton game, weren't we? And we saw, like, mm. you know, Tyro gesturing to the bench a good 10 minutes before he had to be literally carried off the pitch. He had a fault. Had he come off then, right at that moment, 
and they're going, okay, we can look at it. It's probably going to be about a two, three-week injury. You'd have gone, okay, fine. And we would have had him for most of that running before. Instead, he was out for three months. So, but I mean, he's still got, in all competitions, I think it's seven goals, I think he's scored for us now, all, all from open play. You know, I think he got, what, 15 last season in the Bundesliga? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I apply that logic, don't I? Like I said before, you know, if you go up to a better league, you normally half yeah. what they score if you're an attacker. And I would say that the Premier League is a much better league than the Bundesliga, with no disrespect to that league. But, I mean, it's essentially just you know, a glorified... Well, they call it Bundesliga with... tax, don't they? With, like, yeah, they do. Exactly. With Mangala coming this season and Niakate almost as well. I know Haaland's obviously dispelled that, but that's because Haaland's... He's a, a freak, robot. though, isn't he? But... Um, <laughs> You know, it's, it's, you know it's just, we don't have a conversation about the Bundesliga, but obviously we do realise that, you know, ultimately he scored seven goals. He scored 15 last season. That's roughly half of what he got. And that's despite having three months out. So, and most of these goals have been crucial goals as well. You know, it's a match-winning goal against West Ham, match-winning goal against Southampton. Really, Liverpool. twice Southampton. Yeah, match-winning goal against Liverpool. We take his two goals away yesterday, we, draw, we lose the game. So, you know, I mean, from that perspective... You know, he's he's really has come up trumps for us, and I, and I saw some people try to sneak in the uh, the friendly goal we got against Valencia as well. Which, <laughs> which, you know, fair enough, um, it, it, they all count, but sadly it's not a, a competitive goal as such. But no, Tyler was very good yesterday. Um, it showed the importance of having that focal point centre forward, and I know so many people yearn for Keenan Davis, but I think the better Tywo plays, the the lower those like sort of claims are for Davis because I think people realise that Tyro can actually offer more and probably if we're being brutally honest he's a much better player but um, yeah, he showed it last night he was great last night and um, we're going to need that Tyro again like I said for the next three games but yeah fantastic absolutely fantastic bullied their back line got stuck in one headers one flick ons technically looked very good as well made some like very good passes one time passes as well to find the red shirt mm. so, had mm. sniffed out the chances for the goals and you know showed tremendous strength for the second goal as well I mean like I, I honestly thought that could have been given as a penalty had he gone down or whatever else his, his shirt was like the sponsor was up by his neck pretty much <laughs> Like from it was ridiculous, and but he still just went nah, fuck off and just dropped yeah. him aside and just like bulleted it in. He he was unlucky um, not to have a chance. I think at nil nil when the referee gave a free kick when he was yeah that was, that was goal. stupid as well. Yeah. He's he's in on goal, weren't he? Yeah, but um whatever. He still was he still scored two goals. And obviously, you know, he's very like I said before. He seems like a very well brought up chap, and his celebrations are very you know in line with his religion and whatever else. And good for him. I did. I did. I did. I did, very, like, yeah. I did like the meme that Reese posted in our group with yeah. his shirt lifted. It just says Derby in League One or whatever. Dubai. I can't remember <laughs> what it was. But as a as a keen Keenan Davis advocate, Christian, I, I do. I agree to, to disagree with with that statement. But it doesn't matter anyway because we've we've got we've got a one in, and I we really, really enjoyed having him. And obviously, if he could have played those games where he was injured, we might not even be talking about survival. But oh, yeah, exactly. On, yeah. Yeah. Um, Reese, I've gave you Morgan Gibbs White. I think we are seeing a very good purple patch of Morgan Gibbs White right now, and it's twelve goal contributions this season. Um, level with a certain hundred million pound player in Jack Grealish. I don't know if you caught the talk sport thing of a Forest fan going on saying Gibbs White's a hundred million pound player. I don't quite agree with that right now, but with those numbers and potentially rising. I mean, he, he he's he's heading that way. I think. Tell that to a former pod listener on Twitter. <laughs> um, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, hundred million. I mean, Jack Greenish, in my opinion, to wear. Where's the end product, Reese? Where's the end product? Well, um, I mean, Jack Greenish is worth hundred million as much as I absolutely love Jack Greenish. So, but now going back to that, there's no doubt his his stock is definitely will catch interest. I heard that um, Spurs were linked with him, weren't they? Um. So I know I've noticed Sky went with the forty odd million price tag last night rather than the initial twenty five. So yeah, I mean, for these type of players, for young players like Gibbs White, like Johnson, like Nico Williams, yeah, people talk about potential, but that's just the word you've got to at some point fulfil that potential. And as long as they're coming along nicely, and you're seeing um, at times as well more consistently that they're actually getting better and better, which is, I think, fair to say Gibbs White has done over the season. You know, he's had he's had some periods where he's not been as effective, but he's had some really purple patches, as you're saying, that like he's now had at, at the perfect point of the season. Then, yeah, I'm happy. I mean, I mean, like you say, like you said, Adam, that touch for the fourth goal was was just beautiful, wasn't it? Um, football um, purity, that touch. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, he played. He played really well last night. The, the only, obviously, again, a little block was just at times he just gave the ball away in silly areas when which allowed Southampton to get on the counter. And he sometimes he has just, which will come with experience because he's still young. But sometimes just got to play that simple pass rather than trying to like trick his way out of trouble. But he's been, I think, overall this season he's he's been really good for us. Um, I can't, I can't grumble. I'm not with respect. You can't expect the bloke to be absolutely incredible every week it just doesn't work like that we're, you know we are where we are um in the league so yeah i mean hopefully we we, we stay up and he's somebody who we've seen a, a forest shirt for years to come because if we was to fall back in the champ into the championship it wouldn't surprise me if a, a few vultures were to sniff for him to be honest yeah, well, if we stay up, it's he's, he's the type of guy you build a side yeah. round. With, with no reason for him to leave, would they, if we stay up? Same with Johnson as well, really. Yeah. And then and then when you've got the people in, in the supporting cast of like Danilo Johnson, or wouldn't he, like you say, Nico Williams, and then maybe even further additions than, than the, the world's your oyster. But I'm going to talk about Danilo because I've become an ultimate fanboy. I mean, I've made him me, me background picture on bloody Twitter he's my, he's my little banner because I just fucking love him what a guy I mean he's he's ditched the Wesley Snipes hairdo and he's become an absolute beast of a midfielder I don't know where, where it's all come from but I'm all for it I think he's quickly become a fan favourite not only because he's scoring goals and getting assists but I think he's just, his work rate is phenomenal he gets about the pitch so so much and seems to be full of energy even in the 99th minute it doesn't really matter to him so Long that may continue. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, we're going to talk about obviously the the next game, which is Chelsea, which is going to come a bit quicker than than obviously the last game did, which is I'm quite happy about because there's, there's there's when when you're on a high, you kind of just want the next game to come. But I did want to ask you both about some of the points that people made on the slept on it thoughts of how many more points you think we might need. Christian, I just wanted to ask you first. Before I, before Reese gives his answer, how, how many do you think we need? Do you think maybe one, two? I think three. at least three. Yeah. Um, I mean, there are a lot of permutations. There are a lot of scenarios. I mean, obviously the dream is, I mean, it, it's very possible we don't pick up on a point again this season stay up with the fixtures the other teams have. However, we cannot bank on that. No. We, we just can't. It's not. Um, 
the worry for me is that I think West Ham are going to have a big part to play in it either way um, because they've got to play both Leeds and Leicester. I don't think it's worth looking at Everton now. Um, just obviously let them fight their own fight. They can't, you know, it's at this moment in time, it's only Leeds and Leicester we need to be worrying about or concerning ourselves about what results. Yeah. So if you look at what's next, so obviously Newcastle go to Leeds. Um, it's, Realistically, if Newcastle want to finish the top four, they're going to have to win that game. Having just lost to Arsenal in situations that rattled them, even though it was quite funny because they just got played in the same way they played them, they played themselves. Um, I can see them like wanting blood. So, and obviously, then you go, you go to Monday. Uh, Liverpool have found themselves back into the top four race because United keep losing games. Bell needs to win that game. Nelson Leicester's absolutely must win. So, in theory, I mean, you know. If you take it game by game, we could maybe afford to lose at Chelsea and still be out of bottom three. But I, I still think it's three points because it, it's, it's when it comes to West Ham because West Ham, I think they host, is it, they host Leeds, but then they go to Leicester, isn't it? I think the last I day. I believe so. And Yeah, because Leeds got Spurs last game. Yeah. Which, yeah. So the issue for me is that either side of the Leeds game, I'm pretty sure, West Ham have a European semi-final. Yeah. So that's going to impact both their games with them. So again, it depends how that goes. I mean, if they beat AZ Outmar like 6-0 in the first leg, and who cares? But or equally, if they lose it and then they go like full of anger and vengeance into the next game, who cares? But I cut things, I can't see West Ham being on form for all four of those games in a row because mm. they've been crap all season. They've only just pulled themselves out of it despite having this what they've got. And if people say, oh, yeah, they've got to the Conference League semi-finals. They've been playing fucking accountants and plumbers all years. It doesn't really count. <laughs> so, I mean, um, I, I don't I don't trust them to beat or even draw with Leeds or and Leicester, sorry. So, and with our goal difference being the way it is, we're going to need at least three more points, I think. I mean, objectively speaking, I don't think, I mean, I, I could be proved horribly wrong here and hopefully I'm not. I don't think they'll get anything out of the next game. Uh, Newcastle or Liverpool. Liverpool. It feels a bit uneasy wanting Liverpool to win a game of football, but there it is, and Newcastle for that matter. But um, situations must. Um, but yeah, I mean, the dream is we're mathematically clear by the time we play Arsenal, but I can't see that happening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, Reese, but Joe you know, with like West Ham, my my only thing is is this: they've they've got European games. Surely their players are going to be wanting to playing those games and being informed for those games because at the end of the day winning and momentum is what what wins you end up winning trophies and and competitions at the end of the day so for me that's what makes me think they're not they're not quite on the beach yet to be honest man I think it's on the beach has been blown out the window by, <laughs> yeah, the, it result, was. by the results this weekend because well, my... Brighton are going for Europe completely capitulated to Everton at home I mean if Southampton would have lost five one to Everton at home, you'd be like, bloody hell! Why? Well, look at F- Fulham just... as well. Look at Fulham yeah, as well. Fulham, and, and and like I said, I think it was on the last pod. It's a financial aspect in this league. Yeah, I think you get a few more million to, for each place you finish. If yeah. You finish another two places high, it's another five million in the kitty. The chairman's going to be happy, isn't it? So, yeah. um, I'm just looking at the fixtures now. Um, interestingly, West Ham have got Brentford next before they play Leeds. It, it would kind of be a nice if West Ham still kind of needed a little result against Leeds. So that does give them something to play for. 
I mean, I, West Ham are safe in my opinion, but mathematically, football managers go on that, don't they? Um, as we saw under Lamucci with the Swansea episode. Um, so you, you can never count your chickens, but yeah, it's gonna it's going to the last day, in it. <laughs> it's it's mate, it's gonna it's gonna be so many twists and turns. I mean, to quote a former manager. I'm sticking my neck. It generally wouldn't surprise me if Leeds got a result against Newcastle on Saturday. Um, and it's just nothing I don't think would surprise me now, really. After that Everton result, I mean, I mean, who'd have, who saw that coming? So we've just got to take care of his own results, really. Like I said a couple of times now, we put his foot back in the door. And the positive is now, once you've got that win on the board, that is when you can start scrambling for a point here and there. Now mm. we've got that win on the board. It's not like we need three points. Now, if we'd have got a point at Brentford last Saturday, look how much of a good result that would have been. Of course. For example, you know, it would have given us that points, one point in each of our games now would probably keep us up. Yeah. Um, so if we scramble to probably a couple points on the last three, yeah, be good. I mean, I agree with you, Adam. I do think it will go to the last day. I just think that is so forest, but fingers crossed. I hope it bloody doesn't. <laughs> I know, I know. I'd um, like to, I'd like to go. I think um ourselves well, was, and, and, and never anyone travelling to Palace well, would like to go just for a piss yeah, up. Yeah, well there was um, a point. I mean, God, Harper's four on a Sunday into what a fucking awful kickoff time. Yeah, well, yeah, it? true, yeah. Um there was a point, I think, early on in the season where I said that we'd get safe and Arsenal would win the league on the same night at ours. So I might, fingers crossed, I'll be half right because City are going to win the league now, I think, yeah. in my opinion. Um, but yeah, just looking at the fixtures, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be some running. I'd, like Lee and you just said then, we don't know what teams are going to turn up. Like, you know, Everton go away to Wolves. Well, Wolves, you'd say, are probably on the beach. They beat Aston Villa, one of the form teams in the league. At the weekend, I know it's a bit of a derby. Wolves are the last four home games, yeah. So you you just you you never know, and and as well, these teams on the beach, the pressure's off. They can probably try things what they won't normally do, play a bit more free flowing football. So you just never know. Um, Mm. I've no idea what it's going to take, mate. To be honest. I'm, I'm I'm going to say one or two points personally, but we're going to get into obviously Chelsea predictions. Christian, you and I are going to speak to David, who we spoke to earlier in the season. I mean, I I, I bet he's got nightmares of Tyro Wundy trying to bully bloody who who was the other centre half that played it. Yeah, I mean, he got absolutely buddy. Stanley Lee's Matt Mills, he played like that day, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's going to be a fun time and heading down to Stamford Bridge. So. Yeah, what what's your prediction for the Chelsea game? Obviously, Fat Frank is kind of... I mean, I shouldn't call him that, but I am going to because it's funny. But um, they finally got a win, obviously, against Bournemouth. And looked God, like they might... I mean, I was, yeah, you, was you were fearing that the only yeah, win would be against us. Adam and his first win would be against us, yeah. Um, I mean, this obviously could come back to backfire with big time. And maybe I'm still delirious after yesterday. I think we can get a result. I really do think we can get a result. I mean... The thing is, I can see it actually being a similar game to yesterday. I can see it being a proper ding-dong because, simply put, Frank Lampard is the worst manager in the league without fail. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he is. No, there's no getting around that. And like, even if they beat us, let's be honest, they, they've got a squad worth, what, £2 billion? You'd expect them to beat us anyway. He's the worst manager in the league. He's, he's failed upwards his entire career 
Like, what's it? He took Derby from sixth to sixth despite having Mason Mount, Fikayo Samori, and Harry Wilson, despite and scored less goals, amazingly. Um, he took Chelsea from, what's it, fourth to fourth, and then spent £230 million, had one of the worst Decembers in the club's history, got sacked, and that manager, and their replacement went to Champions League. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a doddle. Like, he is comfortably the worst manager in the Premier League. He shouldn't even be managing in the Prem. Like oh, he's, he's no better than John. He's no better than John Carver. He's no better than Steve Keane. <laughs> you he's, you he's, missed he's... you missed out Everton sixteenth to sixteenth, and then nearly getting <laughs> yeah, exactly. right relegation. He's, he's failing yeah. upwards. Like, how's he got the Chelsea job again? It's nothing but a PR stint. Let's yeah. be honest, because fucking Todd Bowley's gone out like and tried to like, like a divorced fucking parent and bought like, seventeen Lamborghinis. Worse than only got, got, got his own shot, yeah. Yeah, he literally, and it's just, it's just like you know, it's ridiculous, and you know, it's testaments of problem. Obviously, we'll speak about this in due course of day, but Lampard's a terrible, terrible manager. So for that reason alone, gives me hope. I mean, the fact that he had Thiago Silva playing like a fucking pissed Titus Bramble in his first third Chelsea manager tells you all you need to know about how his defensive organisation will be. Brentford, uh, sorry, Bournemouth are very unlucky not to get a result, despite the fact Chelsea still scored three goals. So that again, it's going to be a wide open match, and I think that will suit us because I can see us being the only the only thing that worries me is the injuries. Because if Warrell starts at right back, then we might be in some trouble. But um, because obviously, if Aurier and Lottie both went off injured, which we haven't spoken about yet, but I mean, it is one of the rare occasions that I, I say this with utmost respect for Cooper. I mean, ultimately, this is his fourth season in club management. It was his first season in the Premier League. It's one of the very few occasions where we're playing against. He's going pitting his wits against someone who is completely out of their depth compared to him. So that alone gives me hope. The issue is Chelsea do have a phenomenal squad with phenomenal players, and that has been bailing Lampard out or has in the past and did against Bournemouth anyway. So, but I was um also I went with Dave to. I'll mention this tomorrow as well. I I know admittedly it was possible there at the time, but it was a Chelsea Fulham game. I think it was Friday night football. It was a nil nil draw. And um, all Fulham did was just sit exactly the same way we play away from home, exactly the same way we were at Brentford, exactly the same way we were at um, Liverpool. They didn't have to do anything. They just sat. And Chelsea had one chance from Havertz to hit the bar. Other than that, they offered absolutely nothing. You have to remember, this Chelsea team have scored the, amount, the same amount of goals as we have this season. If you said at the start of the season that Leicester would have scored the same amount of goals as Man United and Forest would have scored the same amount of goals as Chelsea, You'd have thought that us two were challenging for Europe, <laughs> but um, it is that is the situation, and I think that it's going to come down to nerve ultimately, which worries me. And Chelsea obviously have a lot of good players, but I a lot of experience, aren't they? So no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm going to be very bold, very brave, and say three, two, Forest. <laughs> oh my god! Because I'll be, I, in, the, I'll be in the with me and you yeah. will be in the Thames, mate. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> crying out loud, right, Reese? Go on. How'd you follow that? I happen to kind of agree with Christian. I do think it'll be a bit of a ding-dong um, because, like, you know, I get what you're saying. We didn't want it to be Lampard's only win, but also is that giving them a little kick up the backside that they can end their season on the high um, now, last few games after winning at um, Bournemouth. But I do believe they've got, is it really too tough game afterwards, Chelsea? They've got United. Are and... they got play Man? Are they got play Man City? Yeah, have they got space? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I believe yeah, so. so. So they've got after us. They've got City, United, and Chelsea, and Newcastle. <laughs> That's three. <laughs> so maybe that kind of comment 
you can edit that one out, Adam, it goes out the window. But no, I do think it'll be a bit of a ding dong. I mean, I mean, for all the feebleness of Chelsea in front of the goal, we we simply can't defend very well. So, um, because we're just chucking away silly goals, aren't we? So, it wouldn't surprise me, um, as we've said, it is end to end carnage. And it, I kind of think it'll be like the Liverpool game away, where we'll actually play pretty well, but. They'll just nick it. And I'm going to go the opposite to Christian, go 3-2 to Chelsea. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm not going to speak too much because obviously going to speak to Dave um, this week and get, get another pod preview out for, for that one. But I think I'm going to go for a high-scoring uh, game like, like yourselves, guys. But I'm going to go for a Desmond 2-2. I think Danilo is going to continue the hot-scoring form and that will boil some blood in the in the... In Westminster, so he yeah. took over the twenty-eight mantra from a Mister Maeski, hasn't he? Because I've got um, his frame shirt above me. That's why I just noticed his twenty-eight. Super latest ten, isn't it? That's why he's yeah. wearing it. Is that great <laughs> <laughs> maths? Yeah. Uh, thank you once again for joining us on Red Side of the Train. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll obviously catch you in the Chelsea preview, but other than that, hopefully you enjoy. Uh, your week and enjoy all the forest content coming out uh, with the saints result see you next time come on you reds this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans the talk sport fan network is proudly teaming up with free for mental health awareness week this year as football fans we often pride ourselves on knowing everything from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage of McDelivery. You in? Order now on McDonald's app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.